Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Downstream podcast. My name is John Stinson. In this episode, we talk once again to shamanic practitioner, the excellent Taz Thornton. We cover the giveaway, shamanic healing, which includes soul retrieval, soul exchange and soul removal. It's another fascinating insight into shamanic practice. Here's the interview. Hello, Taz, and welcome back for, I think this is now the seventh time. Wow. Uh, and as we go through our journey through all sorts of things, but um, mainly around um, shamanism, uh, but we had a, a little divergence last time, which was really good fun. But I wanted to, to um, so welcome back, but I wanted to bring it back to uh, shamanism mm-hmm. a bit more this in this episode. So my first question is, because uh, I can remember being in a circle once, uh, I, I think they called it a doorway, okay. and um, some years ago now, and there was this one part that we had to do when we had to bring something that we then, uh, which was of value to us to give away, and I wondered what, what that was really all about. Ah, the giveaway ceremony. Well, there's, there's lots of different ways of looking at that. Um, I think a lot of people in modern day society don't quite get it. If you look at the origins of, of the giveaway, um, I guess you can take it right back to, to, to the potlatch ceremonies. Um, Sorry, to the? To the potlatch ceremonies. What's that? Some people pronounce it potluck ceremonies. Um, they were they were operated by First Nations people, I believe, mostly on the west coast. Um, and I think once a year, people from 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 all in, indigenous people from all over the area would, would come together, and they'd have these wonderful long houses built, and they would all bring things of value. And it can could be anything from from foods through to blankets, through to through to pottery, anything at all of value. And it was really a massive redistribution of the wealth. Um, and I think eventually the governments banned them in about the 19th century. Right. But anyway, it's it's fairly easy to, to go and find the um, the um, origins of the giveaway ceremony. If you Google it, you'll get lots of sites coming up. But the way it works, works now, at least for me, and the way I run them, is it's a way of teaching people um, really not to become attached to things and also to value things for more than their financial monetary value. And the the heart of it for me is the more we is that the more we can give away, the more we actually get in return. So it's not yeah. about thinking, well I've got that really valuable painting that Aunt, Aunt Ida gave me. I've always hated it, so I'll give that away. So it doesn't mean anything to the heart. Right. Yeah. It's it's about finding those things in your life, life that really have a deep sentimental value and being able to gift those with an open heart in the hope that they bring the same level of, of joy and teachings and knowledge, holding, whatever it might be, to somebody else. But I think where we sometimes go wrong is that in this culture we're so uh, trained to look at the... the the materialistic value of things that, that we miss we miss the, the heart link if you like okay so so it's not so much that that it's difficult to give away uh, because that's the attachment coming mm-hmm. in that's mm-hmm. that saying and that's the reason why well, you might find it difficult well there is to give an away. argument that says the more difficult you find it to give away the bigger the giveaway right absolutely yeah. but of course one of the teachings of the giveaway is not to get attached to physical objects and if we take that back to this belief in animism that we've spoken about before in shamanism, so the belief that everything has an energy, therefore you can say everything's alive, you could say that you never really own anything any anyway, particularly with medicine objects. For me, we're only ever a guardian. Mm-hmm. And we keep we, we, we look after and care for that medicine object for as long as its energies are right for us. And then we sometimes give that away. It's it's the same theory. Those listeners who work with crystals, I imagine will we'll be familiar with this concept of sometimes a crystal just disappears in the same way that sometimes if someone might bury a crystal in the garden to, to have it recharged and they'll go to bury it when it's gone. Um, 
I've not heard of that. Oh, um, it's it's, yeah. it's quite a big thing. With again, I find it spoken about mostly in in terms of crystal healing. Right. And and if a crystal disappears, we might be gutted. But if we're working with crystals, we kind of shrug and say, well, okay, it's it's obviously it doesn't need to work with me anymore. It's gone to someone else who mm-hmm. who needs it more. And that really is the concept of the giveaway. You can never really own that crystal because it has an energy. So you're only ever a guardian. It's the same with medicine objects. But of course, to, to, to just skip off the tangent for a second, a medicine object can be anything, can't it? I mean, I might go and craft something elaborate, whereas whether it's a rattle or a piece of medicine jewelry or a drum or a star for a yeah. wand, so this is a medicine object. I was going to say, it sounds like that sounds like a traditional medicine. It is, but if you go and find a pebble on the beach and you work with that energy, that becomes a medicine object. Things like a hagstone, for instance. It doesn't need to be a special stone. You know, if you have... Um, even an item of clothing that you t- you wear in ceremony, that could be seen as a medicine piece. Um, mm-hmm. It's about getting rid of these perceptions of what is. And that brings us full circle round to the giveaway. So, for instance, I remember being in, in, in ceremony not, not too long back where we had a giveaway. And the, the piece I received was a stone. And it was a beautiful stone with beautiful energy. And the lady who who put the stone into the giveaway ceremony, you could see was really kind yeah. of quite distraught to be letting it go, but also knowing that she was coming from the right place and that it would, it would work that beautiful energy with someone else. But someone after the ceremony emailed me and said something along the lines of, you must have felt really hard done by to just get a pebble. Hash, missing the point. And I've had other things in the ceremony that that, that would have had beautiful financial value and are worth quite a lot and the beauty of those is is great but does it mean do do those pieces mean anything more to me than that stone yes and the energy that comes with that stone yeah and the feeling that's that's been invested in that yes and on the flip side if someone has just chosen something really expensive to kind of show off with for me the energy of that isn't quite the same Mm. is you can you can have the most beautiful object in the world and if all you see is its financial value, that, that piece can become quite ugly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, a, that's got to be the same with all gifts, really, I suppose. Yeah. There has to be some, a lot of the intention behind that gift has to be yeah. true and authentic. Yeah. Otherwise, we are, um, otherwise it just becomes a, a token. Absolutely. And it's, I guess it's, you know, I know people in the future could be listening to this at any time, but we're recording this in, in December. And that this is one of the reasons I, I feel there's, there's become such an, an issue around Christmas. I mean, personally, I stopped celebrating Christmas quite a few years back and, and went back to, to celebrating solstice. Hmm. And immediately all this pressure lifted, you know, all these people elbowing each other out of the way around, around the stores to buy gifts for people that they probably don't want. How many people are running around doing, doing their Christmas shopping not thinking about what their loved ones might really appreciate, but more how much they, they are seen to be to be spending and, and whether they're going to be giving that gift across in a Fortnum and Mason bag. Yeah. You know, how many yeah. people out there really desperately want some some wind up plastic racing grannies from the, the Christmas gift section in one of the <laughs> or the or the, 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 the drinking game cockroaches or the yeah. well, sh- well, in true, yeah. absolutely true. Although if someone does want to get me something from Portland Masons, they're welcome. Yes. Uh, the blue, the Jamaican blue coffee is rather good. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But how many people desperately on their Christmas list have the set of shot glasses that say one tequila, two tequila, yeah. three tequila floor? Four. Yeah. How many really want that? And and that's no, it. Yeah. The intention it's... is right in terms of what we've been trained to do. But one of the most beautiful things I've heard recently was a lady who was saying she was giving up her entire weekend to make things for her family for, for Christmas or solstice, whatever, whichever you prefer. And and it so happens that this lady's quite a talented crafts, craftswoman anyway. So she will enjoy what she's doing. The whole weekend will be almost a meditative process for her. But she will be sitting and looking at each of those each of those loved ones and, and tuning in and thinking what's going to fill them up, what will mean something to them. And she's going to be pouring so much love into each one of those gifts. Mm-hmm. And what do you want? Do you want the shot glasses or the wind-up racing grannies on the Zimmer frames? Or do you want the piece that someone has poured love and attention and care yeah. into? 
And I suppose going back to the point you were making about the person who emailed you to say, I bet you're glad to get a stone. It's the, the receiving of it is as important as the giving. Absolutely, absolutely. The receiving of it in the in the right frame of mind. I don't know what yes. quite the... Uh, quite yeah, and I've, I've seen people sit in a giveaway ceremony who have that materialistic point of view and watch them unwrap something that to you or I might be beautiful. Hmm. And they've sat there and on the face of it tried to say, oh, thank you. Thanks. And you can almost feel this, you know, look at me, I've just put something into this ceremony that costs 3,000 quid and I've got a, 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 a twig talisman. Right. <laughs> That's what it's about. It's not about trying to Im- impress with how much you can spend on a gift. It's about the energy of that piece. And that doesn't matter whether it's a stone or whether it's some beautiful Venetian vase, mm-hmm. the energy can be equal. It's it, it's a level playing field. It's what it means to you. It's what it represents. And it's the, the energy and the openness in the giving and where that comes from. Yeah. And it's giving from the heart rather than giving from the head. Yeah. Okay. And then that re- makes sense. Yes, it does. And then obviously receiving from the heart as well uh, uh, to, to, uh, to take in um, whatever that can give to you. As you're yeah. saying, if, if we're ever any other guardians from that, I think there are two things that that just that that um, s- sort of discussion brings up for me. Mm-hmm. One is around uh, uh, you were mentioning that the giveaway ceremony was around so it stopped in the 19th century by the government for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, so, what did, does that have its roots in? In sort of in uh, indigenous, uh, not necessarily shamanism, but indigenous roots here, or is that something that, that has been adopted? By groups, I don't honestly know. There's 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 very little um, written in 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 the history books in terms of our indigenous past. Um, I guess with the with the coming of the church, a lot of it was wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look back at some of the some some of the only existing written accounts there are of our kind of indigenous past, of course uh, there will be an agenda to it. Yeah. So if you look at the writings of Tacitus talking about Boudicca, for instance, mm-hmm. a lot of that probably won't be factually accurate uh, because Tacitus will have had an agenda and will have been writing under pressure from, from his controlling controlling people. Um, so we have to read between the lines a little bit. Um, if I do work with, with the ancestral spirits, certainly, yes, I have a feeling and I'm led to believe that there would have been there was, would certainly have been similar attitudes in terms of the worth of things and where that came from yeah. um, but it uh, in terms of the giveaway as we know it today most people would link that back to to particularly west coast first nations um, but I think the it's it's taken on a different sway mm-hmm. now with the way it's worked in in today's spiritual circles and when you say first nations what what, what do you mean by first nations you... well i'm talking about i'm talking about um first nations peoples in the americas right ah, okay yeah. so when you talk yeah. about oh right so we're not talking about west wales here we're talking about california yeah sorry ah, okay yes yeah yeah over in the americas right. that's what that's where you'd, you'd find most of the information about the the giveaway as it as it began uh, right okay right okay um the other thing that it brought up for was um, there was a bit of a clunk for me? You perhaps heard it. Um, <laughs> where, Thought it was your chair, John. <laughs> but, um, again, it reminds me uh, a lot of when we talk around the. It's a real paradigm shift for me that goes on when we talk because that there is that where what we deal with is so much more around uh, energy and feeling as opposed mm. to a logical, rational approach that I've been brought up with. And, yep. and there is always a battle within me yep. where, you know, the sort of reason versus instinct yep. type battle. Yep. Uh, and uh, and because it really does take apart what what I've been brought up to know yep. and replaces with um, what has been, you know, you could, it's considered mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I find that, um, well, I, find, I find that in, in many ways, really liberating mm. but also challenging for me to um yeah. to get my head around and i know we've spoken before and uh and uh, from from memory it was um i think the 
taking advice, uh, guidance from your from your uh, from your guides on a regular mm. basis. To, you just understand that yeah. that's how it is, and you almost grow into it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just thought I'd get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> Me too. Um, I guess in terms of that that conflict between what what we're trained to value in Western culture and what really matters you can you can you can bring it quite simply down to let's imagine your house is on fire and you can only take three things what are you going to take let's assume that that your wife and and a little one are out safely and the animals are safe what three things are you going to rescue from your house oh you're right you're asking me okay (laughs) yeah um i don't think i don't think there is anything i must admit so you're not going to grab your laptop you're not going to grab no I don't really have that. I mean, it's. I love my my, my Apple Mac, but uh, I'm I'm not that. I know. I just want to make sure I was safe. I think it was like if everybody else is safe, then it's just about my self preservation. There's not really anything I want to. Um, Family photos, maybe. Anything of sentimental value. See, that that's the point, though. If yeah. People are. If, I haven't if, got my list worked out. I must. No, admit. <laughs> but that, that's the point. If if for most people, they're not going to be grabbing the things that cost a lot. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to be grabbing okay, the things that insurance yes, I, can cover. Yes, they're I should. Be grabbing the I should have played that the game more on that one. Yeah. No, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I see exactly what you mean. It's, it's things of sentimental value, like family photographs, for example. And we don't realise the value of those until we think we're going to lose them, yeah. and the giveaway trains us to be more aware of that so many teachings it trains us to to be generous it trains us to understand that we can never really own things it trains us to understand that material objects can't really fill a gap in your soul it trains us to be open to receiving things it trains us to be open to receiving things without judgment and to understand the value of that to someone else there's there are massive massive teachings in the giveaway yeah well, um, that's, um, yeah, no, I think I find that um, uh, quite a magical thing, actually, and, and a really, there seems to be so much within that simple thing to do, yeah. uh, so much of the of uh, all the sort of um, uh, shamanic teachings, all, yeah. all within one simple ceremony. There. Absolutely. Um, well, actually, one of the things that you, you mentioned was around uh, you could have a an item of clothing for perhaps if you're then used as a ceremonial thing yeah um, that becomes a medicine object yeah and we've spoken about those before but I wondered what what tools you use as um, uh, for for uh, for what what you what you do what what you, uh, you I mean I know we, there are drums and rattles and I wondered what are they used for mm-hmm. and um, how are they used and how do they come about and what else do you use? Oh, well, okay. Well, there are various things I use. Um, one of the most, I guess, mundane items that, that is a medicine piece for me is, is a bandana I use in my in my healing work. Just, a, you know, round mm-hmm. your head jobby. Um, and the reason I use that is when I was doing my, the, the majority of my shamanic training, I, was, I did a, a year-long shamanic, like an intensive shamanic healing course with with Chris Luttershow down in the southwest and he taught us about wearing these bandanas whenever we were about to step into healing work right um so that then carries the the energy of what you're about to do and so I have I think I only have two different ones that I use um he taught us to wear red ones because red is a very protective color and of course the theory behind the bandana is that it goes over the third eye so it protects your energy as you're doing the healing work um for me, though, because I've done a fair amount of kind of left brain practitioner work as well, I also view that as an anchor in NLP or hypnosis terms. Right. So I know now that when I'm about to step into some heavyweight healing work, I pick up my bandana, put it on, and it's become um, an anchor to tell my brain, okay, you're about to get into this this mode. Yeah. Um, the left brain be the logical, yeah. right brain be the more subjective. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's a bandana that I use, they use a lot in healing work um, to show that just very, very mundane objects can, can become medicine objects. And then, of course, there are things like the drum and the rattle. Um, I, have a, I have a couple of different drums. Um, 
I had more, but I kept being guided to give them away and give away ceremonies. <laughs> so now I'm down to... Ah, so you mentioned you're, you're guided then to give away. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I'm doing a giveaway, I ask, ask my guys, what is it? And sometimes I go, no, I don't want to give that away. <laughs> and of course, the second I go into that mode, I know that's the thing I've got to give. Right. So I've given, um, yeah, quite a few of my hand drums away. So I'm now down to, to just two hand drums that I was using in ceremony. Um and in my shamanic work, I do specifically use the flat, one-sided hand drums rather than a djembe or bongos. Mm-hmm. I have those too, but for my shamanic work, it's hand drums. What we need to remember is that the animism thing again, that each object will have its own energy and its own spirit. So it's like each one has its own personality. Yeah. So you can never have too many drums, too many mm-hmm. rattles, but they'll all fit different purposes. The drum in shamanic work is predominantly used for calling spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's quite different to having a nice, you know, Pearl 5 kit. Um, in that that is for, for making music and having a lark with. You wouldn't pick up the drum you use for ceremonial shamanic work and just start to jam with it because right. the energy of that drum is for calling your spirits. Yeah. So my spirits know when I start banging that drum, it's like, okay, she needs us, and we go, guys. Okay. And, and do you... Um, program the drum in some way. When, you when can because 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 I guess there are two because it's either you make the drum or you or you you get given it perhaps or, or you buy it or something. The, the traditionally you would awaken um, a, a medicine piece, and there are various ceremonies where you can where you can awaken it. It can be anything you like. It can be quite dormant and just a dead piece mm-hmm. if you like. Um, I took some of my shamanic students through a ceremony to awaken. Um, a buck and wooden, wooden katana to use in ceremony a few months back. And the difference, I was just asking them, okay, what can you feel now? And then we went through ceremony to awaken it. What can you feel now? And they all came up with, with a lot of different changes because it just awakens the energy. It's like it's sleeping. Um, so would you put something, would you do something to put it to sleep as well if you were? You could do, yes. Yeah, if you were like, transferring ownership. Yeah, you certainly can. You certainly can do that. Um but back to the things that I would, I would use in ceremony. Yeah. So the, there's the drum again, which I use predominantly for calling spirits. I sometimes use the drum in healing as well. Because um, we've talked before about shamanic journeying and there yes. being that particular drum beat that you can use to, mm-hmm. to journey uh, on. Um, the, the drum is sometimes referred to as the shaman's horse because you ride its beat into the, okay. into the journey, into mm-hmm. the dream zone. And then there's the, the rattle. Now, rattles are used predominant. Well, there are different uses. You can use them in dance and ceremony. But in terms of healing, they're used for, for clearing energy. So I use, I've, I've got a number of different rattles for different uses. Some of them are, have more oomph. Some of them are gentler. Um, and they're all just as powerful, but the energy has a different frequency, to use that if you like. Yeah. So um, I would use rattles in, in healing work to, to break up clusters of stuck energy. The other, the, the other use I, I have for rattles is if I'm doing a space clearance, if I'm clearing spirits or energies out of a building or a house, I'll use them to, to break up the clusters of energy there to, to help them to, okay. to be moved on. So, so do you like have, have you, let's say, for example, you're, you're called to do a healing. Yep. Have you got like a toolbox of, yeah, so of rattles and you're, and you're literally yeah. okay? So you would then sense what that what which one's yeah. going to be right for that. Yeah, that if I'm going situation. to a healing, I'll usually take just one of my drums. I'll take my main drum. Mm-hmm. I'll have a selection of different rattles. I've usually got three, four, five different rattles that I can use. They're all yeah. in my kit bag. Um, I have a couple of items that I always take for for my energy protection. Um, and feathers I'll also take, which are, again, another mundane item. We see dropped feathers all the time, but we don't think about the energy of them. And feathers in shamanic work, particularly in healing work, are a massive part of the toolkit. And, of course, each of those feathers carries the energy uh, of the bird it's from. So they'll carry different uses. So if you were using a feather from a bird of prey, for instance, that's very direct. It's cut through all that crap and get things sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were using uh, a feather from a swan, that's a that's more of a gentle and, and pure. Okay. So you energy. use this archetypal energies to. Um... It's archetypal energies, but also again, if you're in tune and you've been working with it for a while and it becomes part of your toolkit, then it's also getting to know the individual energy of that specific feather. Okay. 
And that's something that is, I, I take it as long as a piece of string to get to know something like that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, and then smudges, of course. So the other part of the other main part of my kit. Right. So that's um, sm- uh, sage and grasses, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. There are different different smudges. So so herbs and resins that you burn, and they they give off different aromas. Yeah. So where, are, does, where does smudging come from then? Oh, all over the place. If you go into a, if you go into high church and see them swinging a pomander, the oh right, yes. Sorry, okay. furifa. There, <laughs> it's smudging. Um, smudging is 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 an ancient practice of using the the smoke or the fumes from something to affect the energy of, of, of a space or a thing or an object. Um, so so a lot of people will 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 go straight for the white desert sage these days. What I would say is if you're going to use sage, please be careful about where you get that from. And there are some sage supplies that are that are desperately low because the whole I don't like this term, but kind of new age movement has jumped on using sage. Um, so make sure you're, you're buying it from a sustainable source. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So it, there's nothing um, from a spirit point of view. It's more that it's just not, it's just not very, it's just, um, it's just uh, not very so ethical. It's notoriously difficult to grow sage in this, white desert sage in this country. You can, but it's notoriously difficult. So a lot of it comes from overseas. So just check, check where it's coming from. And of course, we're, well, so where would you? Uh, where's the an, best place? Then? I've got a number of different suppliers I use. Um, first point is get online, find the suppliers. But rather than just clicking on the cheapest from eBay, just just go into the suppliers and ask where they come from and whether it's ethical and whether it's whether it's renewed renewed and mm-hmm. okay. just be a bit careful with it. But the other point, of course, is that we don't need to use these uh, these these essences we all know about. I mean, particularly because there's been such interest in the Americas again and, and yeah. the, the Native American spirituality. We're all jumping straight onto the bandwagon with the with the sage and the sweet grass. And yeah, I must admit, we do that here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I use them too. But there are indigenous um, smudges we can use from from our own from our own uh, part of the world if we take the time to actually create the smudge. So traditionally, if you look at sage, that's for, that's a clearing energy. Mm-hmm. If you look at sweet grass, um, this is the one you get in the plaits in the braids. Yeah, um, that's beautiful for for cleansing, but it's also it also blesses at the same time. And if you go to if you go to somewhere like Starchild, for instance, in Glastonbury, yes. you can look at all kinds of resins and incenses there, and they'll all have little instructions on the bags telling you what they're for and. If you want to have a really good overview of your, your smudges and essences, I'll have a look on their website. It's much faster than me trying to <laughs> go through them all. And, okay. Um, but over here, other smudges I use, um, woodruff. If we collect woodruff, that has a very similar um, energy to sweetgrass. Um, I use, I turn lavender into, into smudge sticks quite a lot as well. And it's really easy to make your own smudge sticks. Right. Really, really easy. Just literally binding stuff together? Well, it could just be literally binding stuff together. So quick instruction, pay attention, people, here's the science (laughs) club. Harvest your your smudging um, plants when they're still wet. Um, And again, you're doing this with an intention? With an an intention of whatever you want to use that for. So so if we stick with lavender, most people can readily get a lemon supply. Um, Harvest it while it's wet, the stalks and the flowers... And bind it while it's still wet. Um, don't dry it and then try to make a smudge stick. The easiest way to use a smudge stick is using a sushi mat. A sushi roller. Yeah, yeah. Pick them up fairly cheaply from eBay, I would think. Um, lie them all out on your sushi mat. Cut them to shape. Use the sushi mat to roll them. And then just bind them with, with natural thread. Go for something like something like cotton or hemp or something that's not going to shrivel up. Don't be using nylons and, or fishing <laughs> wire or something. Uh, bind them up while they're wet and dry them while they're wet. If you dry, if you dry something out like lavender again first and then try and bind mm. it, you'll just be in a mess and you'll lose stuff all over the place. Right. So whatever it is, use that. Lots of our common garden herbs you can you can use for smudging. Um, I've used basil, I've used mint. Okay. Well, I'd never even thought of doing that. I thought you had to use something like sage or, or sweetgrass. If you, if you do any shamanic work or any, any work where you tune into the spirits, one of the things you can do is employ a little bit of plant spirit medicine and go and journey to the spirit of the plant and ask if it would make a good smudge and what its properties would be. Yeah. That's simple. So okay. we don't need to be importing 
all this stuff from overseas. We don't need to be importing stuff that we perceive to be exotic. That's ego getting in the way then. And yeah, yeah. I, yes, I do use sage. I do sometimes use sweet grass, but they're not the be all and end all. I use um, when I can find them and I'm able to harvest them. I use a lot of our indigenous um, plants too. Mm-hmm. Pine needles. Okay. Pine. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, so take me through. Take me through when when you would you when you would smudge. What what's the? Uh, I mean, what from what I have understood that sage, for example, is cleansing and. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you would use it for for different things, different ceremonies. Or? Yeah, you would use it for different ceremonies, but it's it's also uh, well. When do you wash, John? Well, normally morning and night. Well, there you go. Smudging is just washing the energy, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I would encourage everyone, if, if they're aware and they're going to use smudge, to, to smudge the spaces they use regularly. I don't mean you necessarily need to smudge under your armpits, but it, it, <laughs> I, I bet someone once who swore by keeping sage in the toilet and said it was the best air freshener ever. Yeah. And I have to agree, it is. Oh, well, it is, because, you know, if, if the cat kitty litter is a bit strong. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah sage absolutely. is very good for that. Sage is excellent. <laughs> or, or whatever you've, you've been over here. Lavender works too. Um Oh yes, so so smudge smudge regularly the spaces you work in, the spaces you live in, your car smudge your car regularly, you know, yeah, your clothes thought, smudge yeah. your clothes, any jewelry you wear all the time smudge it because it's all going to hold on to energy, mm-hmm. and it's just you know keep the energy clean and bright. That doesn't mean just washing under your arms. It means keep the keep the energy of a place clean and bright too. And yes, in ceremony, I would use smudge during a healing, before or after, okay. if For I'm that doing. Reason to- for that reason, any... to clear, and also different herbs I will use for, for blessing work. So if I'm doing light healing on someone or doing some blessing healing, then I'd use some of some of the, the sweetgrass-style um, scents for that too. Okay. But actually, while, while um, on to ceremonies, mm. two of the things that I've heard about, and in fact I've seen one, um, a soul retrieval yeah. and um, a depossession. Uh, I was wondering okay. if, I was, uh, could you talk to me about, or t- tell me first about soul retrieval. What is it? Where did it come from and, and why is it necessary? Okay. Soul retrieval is one of those very, very ancient elements of shamanic healing. Um, the basis of shamanic healing is that, let me just take a sip of my water. Um, if someone comes to me for a shamanic healing, the first thing I'm going to be doing is checking in to see any of if any of their energy body or soul is missing and whether they have anything with them that shouldn't be with them. Right. So why... Perhaps you were going on to say, I've just interrupted, but, but why would they have something missing or would there be something there that's not, not meant to be? Okay. The theory... The, very, very basically, when there's more to it, let's nutshell this as much as I can. The theory behind soul loss, which is where soul retrievals have to come into being, that when we go through something traumatic that we perceive to be traumatic at the time, very simply, the part of our energy body or spirit or soul that can't deal with it sometimes splinters off and goes elsewhere. So... Let's say most of us, I imagine, will have been through some sort of traumatic incident, whether it's death of a loved one or I'm using that as an example because most people have experienced that to some degree. And we're completely in it and we're distraught and we can't cope and we can't imagine life beyond the end of the day. And it's just so terrible. And then suddenly we get to a point where it's almost as if someone has flicked a switch and suddenly we feel detached from it. And we can cope with it. And it's we, we hit that stage where it's almost like we're watching a movie of someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shamanically, we'd say that was probably soul loss. And the bit that couldn't cope had splintered off, which is well, now why we now have this element of detachment and we're able to cope with the situation. Okay. Yeah? Now, sometimes soul loss is the best um, option yeah. at the time. It's a coping mechanism. But long term, once you're through that situation, it means part of your part of your essence is is missing. So and we were talking about vibration before we started this interview. Yes. So here's where the vibrations come in a little bit for me. That means your 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 soul is not resonating at its full potential, and that's where you can get this 
ease, you've got a hole. Uh And then in terms of how things can come in, and I'm really, really simplifying this here. If we had more time, I could go into more depth. But essentially, if you've got another piece of energy floating around that may or may not have been attached to someone else, it might be elemental energy, it might be spirit energy, it could be all sorts. If there's a bit of that floating around, can't have a home, sees the hole in you and thinks, oh, there's a light on there, that'll do, boom, and it's in. So then not only is your own um, spirit body resonating at an incomplete level, but you've got something else with it that doesn't necessarily have to be inherently bad, but you've got something else there that's vibrating at a different level again. So you've got a different level of dis-ease. Okay, and when you say dis-ease, because are you literally saying that that will cause, you know, like, for example, cancer or a, a dicky shoulder or something like that? If you look at tra- traditionally... In shamanic healing, we would say every physical symptom has an energetic basis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's my belief that pretty much everything that happens to us comes to is it comes to do with something from our energy body. Right. Now, just to go back to 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 the things that cause us trauma, um, a lot of soul loss happens happens during our childhood years. So we need to bear in mind that something I'm, that so we I'm might. Am- I'm amazed, really. Yeah. Yeah. Not not actually when you become more in the head, as it were, but it's very much when you're in the more your heart. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it can happen in both, but you frequently find a lot of things happen, happen when, when we're in childhood years, when we still have that level of innocence and we're trying to protect everything to the same level. Okay. Sometimes, when you, when, when I do a soul retrieval on, some, on someone, sometimes the memories that disappear at the time will come back with the soul piece. So there is a lot of responsibility with the shamanic healer to make sure it's the right time to bring the soul piece back. So what we need to understand there is that the things we find traumatic as a child, we would be able to cope with quite well as an adult. You know, to to be very, very simplistic, we could be traumatised as a child if we break our favourite crayon. (laughs) You know, as an adult, we just think, oh, I'll go and buy another crayon. Right, Okay. So those memories might come back. So we can cope with those. But it's not unheard of for um, for, yeah. for, for, for memories of, of abuse to come back, for instance. Or let's say that someone is in the armed forces and has been out to war and comes to the practitioner saying, I need some healing work. If we know they're going to be redeployed in another few months, it would be quite irresponsible to bring back the piece of soul that left because it was struggling to cope with with the front line. Yes, because they're just going to fall apart. And it's going to go again. Yeah. And you can keep bringing things back it gets a bit more difficult each time. So when you go and find that soul piece, and this is where you have to have such a good and trusted relationship with the spirit guides. And it's another reason why fairly frequently I'll get people coming to me saying they want to learn shamanic healing. And I will not teach anyone shamanic healing until they've they've learned all they can with, with shamanic journeying. It's not like going to learn Reiki or, or Shiatsu or Indian head massage. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not a standalone um aspect it's something where if you're following a shamanic path you then might choose to to go further and, and go into shamanic healing or going to psychopomp work or going to shamanic counseling or going to conflict resolution you can't just for me do it for, i know there are people out there who, who will just teach shamanic healing i won't do that for me you need a lot of journey models before you start going into into that that so, bracket. So you get that trust with your with your guides. You need to have absolute trust with your guides. You need to be able to have discernment between what you might be projecting and what's real. And you need to be absolutely be able to trust your guides to take you to the piece of piece of that person's soul, to be able to trust that it's the right piece, to then be able to negotiate with that soul piece and find out why it went and what it needs in order to come back and whether it has conditions. And then you need to be able to transfer those back to the client. And you also need to have enough trust with your guys to say, is this the right time? Is this the right piece? Okay, so it's not like necessarily going and finding a... Because in my head, I suppose, I've got... Like, you, you, you're going to find a, a, I mean, a lost piece and it will, it will always want to come. But that's no, not necessarily the no, case. No, if that piece of soul has been unhappy and has gone off and is very happy where it is, fairly frequently they won't want to come back. Because why would they? If, but, it's, if, but it's a part of your soul, yeah, isn't it? Oh, I mean, that's what I assume why it's, it's called but soul. Once it, yes, but once it's separated, it it, it, it becomes its own um, it, it, its own consciousness, if you like. 
So let's say that a piece of childhood has, has broken off because it feels ignored and isn't being allowed to play enough. Mm-hmm. And it's gone off and found somewhere in the spiritual realm the most perfect playground with all the play equipment it loves. Why is it going to want to get off that seesaw and come back to you? Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never really thought of it like There's that. sometimes yeah. a level of negotiation. So frequently it'll be, okay, this piece has come back, but it wants you to spend more time playing. It wants you to, wants you to be more creative. It wants to colour in more, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's then the responsibility of the client to bring that about in order to keep that with them. It's like any, for me, like any good healing, yeah. the responsibility always goes back to the client. I can open the door for people, but it's up to them to then step through and continue doing the work. Okay, so it's not a, um, it's over by the end of the ceremony type thing. No, it's not, I've got a broken leg, right, I've plastered it, off you go. Yeah. It's no. Although that sounds like it, it would be the way because it, cause the leg still keeps, keeps healing. Yeah. Um, so that you've but, uh, but I mean, it's not a band-aid approach. It's not there you are. There's a sticking plaster. That'll yeah. be okay. It's here you are. This energy has come back. These are the lessons you need to learn. This is what you now need to action through the rest of your life yeah. to keep this balance. Is it's if not, it might you. be off again. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I've now got this image of some. If you've had some, if you've um, broken lots of crayons or or um, what have <laughs> you, or actually you know what's what's more serious, you could be an absolute wreck. There could be. Bits of you all over the place. There's a meme that keeps keeps dotting around social media that says something along the lines of, you know, the old people, if you went to them with with an issue, would say, when did you you stop dancing? When did you stop singing? And that's very simplistic. Yeah. But that's that's kind of it. Um, There are a lot of people walking around out there who are completely disenfranchised with, with life and are doing things that they arguably don't want to be doing or shouldn't be doing that's not their soul's path and who are just trudging along and one of my old old work colleagues used to have a bit uh, a wonderful saying that it was I'm, I'm like a rat in the sewers today I'm just going through the motions <laughs> <laughs> but how many of us do that yeah so well, that, world. so I mean that that um so if I was doing something that I thought well this isn't my soul path uh, this doesn't feel feel what I should be doing that might be because I've let some at some point let a piece of my soul go, yeah. and it's or it might be that the soul doing... piece has gone because you're not doing what it enjoyed doing. Right, it could be. I mean, there there are various estimates out there. Most most practitioners will will agree that um, most adults are walking walking around with between say three and five large soul parts missing and umpteen little little bits yeah. of energy because we give our energy away too, which is different mm-hmm. to. For giving away part of our soul, and children particularly give their energy away. So what? Okay, good. Give me an example, and, and how how okay. they put, how they how they wouldn't you know what perhaps they should think about. Okay, so let's say that there, there's 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 tired and downtrodden mum and dad who have been slogging their guts away to to pay for for the new trainers for for the little one and to make sure that he's happy and has all the materialistic stuff he loves. For instance. <laughs> And they're watching, they're watching their child playing and giggling, and there's something about that child energy. There's, there's no better sound than a child laughing freely, is there? Really. Mm, yeah. um, so how often do we, as as adults, then think, oh, I'd give anything for a bit of that? And child, on some level, mummy and daddy want some of what I've got. There you are. Have some of it. Child will freely give some of its energy yeah. to mummy and daddy because it's open-hearted. Mummy and Daddy will get an instant hit from that, but then it won't last because it's not their energy. Not your energy to hold on to. And the child is then lacking some of its energy. Mum and Dad have had a quick fix, but now the kid's lost a bit of energy. And it happens the other way around too. You know, if you have a a child or a loved one and they're they're poorly and you're well and you want to help, and you'll give some of your energy. In most close relationships, whether it's parent-child, whether it's a romantic relationship, in a lot of close relationships... We naturally give each other yeah. parts but, but, of our energy. But, but that sounds like a good thing. That doesn't sound like a... Uh, that, that sounds like something it, you, you want to do. The intention is good. The intention is good. But if, if each time you give away some of your energy, that's not naturally replenished. But it's you know, we're not like batteries, though. Where, where it's yes, a, we are. So it's not a finite amount, though, is it? So, uh, that we're giving away and giving away and giving away and suddenly there's none left. Well, it takes a lot of giving away to get to the point where there's some left. But absolutely, there are people walking around with not an awful lot left. I did some very deep healing work with a lady a few years back now who had attempted suicide many times and 
just didn't want to be here. And they say the eyes are the windows to the soul. I base an awful lot on looking in someone's eyes. You can see that. And she had given away pretty much everything. There was just one tiny little spark left that was keeping her here. And I'd never seen anything like it before. Most of her energy body was just depleted. Right. And we had to do a lot of work to gradually build that back up. And she'll still be building now. But yes, yeah. you can keep okay. giving your energy. So we could, so we have to be more careful of when we choose to to perhaps give it away. Yeah, and a lot, but a lot of the time we're, we're not aware of that. A lot of the time, the, the, the issues only, be, only begin or begin to be noticed when you move away from that person. So let's say you've had a wonderful marriage. You've given lots and lots of your energy between each other. Not, not consciously, it happens mm-hmm. naturally. And then you split up and you don't see them anymore. And then suddenly you're moved away from your energy. You can get into contact with all that energy you've given away every day. And there's the loss. And this is where we sometimes come into a soul exchange work. The other area where you can where where it's where soul exchange is apparent is a lot of people will have have one person where whenever you think about them, your blood boils and you get upset or you get angry or you get frustrated and just <laughs> frequently because there's part of your energy and they're holding on to it and vice versa. So soul exchange work that I do, which is part of the healing process, yeah, it finds the energy from both parties and exchanges it. And frequently, when you do that, you wake up the next day and all those ill feelings have gone. Well, that's blown my mind slightly, actually. Mm. Yeah, okay. We'll do some exchange work after the the show. (laughs) 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 Uh, You're mentioning um, a bit earlier about uh, these things wafting about that might find that gap and then come in. Yeah. And and, and is that because they're attracted because they sort of say, oh, someone's gone. Uh, the, the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm animal. It can be. I'm, sp- I'm speaking in very, very simplistic terms. Here, I, but, I, yeah, yeah, I realise, but I, uh, but is is it just right? In it goes, and as you say, it's not always. It's, you know, it's not even not necessarily an evil spirit. It's just right. a happy home, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so, what do you do then if it's? Well, if, that's where you get into soul um, uh, soul removal. Um, so, there's if if people start to start looking into shamanic healing, they'll they'll frequently hear about. Um, soul exchange, soul removal, uh, soul retrieval. Retrieval is when you bring back the missing bits. The exchange bit is the thing we've just been talking about. Yeah. And then you've got removal, which, of course, to um, a Western mindset, vaguely Christian upbringing can feel quite scary. They're taking my yes. soul out. No, it's not about that. Um, or even demonic um, you know, possession or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's not all William H. Blatty. It really isn't. I've never had pea soup just yet. Although it might be quite exciting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'd hope my guides would tip me off in advance so I could at least wear some waterproofs for that. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, stop it, Taz. Get back, <laughs> back to serious. Um, yeah, that's... So in, tho- in those circumstances, and again, this is where I think uh, shamanic healing can be quite different. The first thing is to try and do everything with compassion. So we have this idea, again, because of Hollywood and the movies, and that if something is with you, then it's bad and it's a possession state and yeah, you are yeah. going to get the, you know, the spinning head. And it's not always like that. In the majority of cases, it isn't like that. In the majority of cases, it's just some lost energy that, that needs some of whatever it is you've got. Um, so you can talk about walk-ins, for instance. Where if it's the spirit of someone who's deceased, you sometimes do get walk-ins. Um, and to take it to an extreme, but a, a point that I think is fairly easy to understand, let's say there's someone who in life was an alcoholic or just really loved a pint and for whatever reason has decided not to go to wherever they go after this long, long has decided to stay in the pub, they still want that hit yeah. and they haven't got a body anymore. So the only way they can really get that hit is waiting for somebody to sit at the bar and then in they go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happens quite a lot. You have a lot of yeah. spirits of both kinds in, yeah. in pubs. So you get that. That's why they're in pubs. Now I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get some, some are that kind of walking, but some are just picking up bits of energy. Sometimes you get um, fae and elemental energies with people. But the point with all of this is to use compassion. And again, because of our mindset, because of the way we're trained, we, we, we perceive so many things as evil or bad because they're outside of our understanding. And this is where I sometimes get, really quite um, 
upset by so much of the new age movement, which is all about the light, the light, send them to the light. Mm -hmm. What if you have a, a, an elemental from another dimension who has walked in? What if, what if where that comes from, everything is dark? What if it's a shadow being? Sending that to the light would be hell. Yeah. So it's not just about, it's not about letting our Western ego-based mindset take control and just decide to yank things out and send them into the light. Yeah, because because we have this thing as light, good, dark, bad. Yeah. 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 Well, it's actually, they're just places. Special yeah. term I have for that, and that's bullshit. It's just, oh, it's just, it's and good and bad, masculine, feminine, light, dark. It's just yin and yang. It's just the balance of energies. There mm -hmm. is a balance of energies in all things. And the other issue with all the light stuff is so many people are floating around only wanting to connect with, with what they see as angelic beings, which is brilliant, but they're not grounded. Right. Floated about all over the place. This is why there are so many space cadets in the New Age movement. Really, people, ground. There's just as much energy in the Earth. There really is. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> Glad I asked. Yeah, thank you, John. <laughs> So the point is, it's it's about finding out what it is that's with the person, finding out why they're there, where they came from, and as much as you can, helping them to get back to wherever they belong. Yeah. So it's not about yank and send you where I think you should go. It's about what are you, who are you, where do you belong, where do you be happy? Where would you be happy? Where will you be <laughs> happy even? Um, because, of course, then the practical application of that is if you take them to somewhere where they're going to be happy and content they're going to stay there mm. they're not going to try and find a way back and jump into somebody else mm. so it always has to be compassionate wherever possible and yes sometimes you do have to go into force extraction work which is where you will have to remove something that doesn't want to go but there should still be a responsibility to make sure that goes to wherever it needs to be and where it will be happy so that it can live out the rest of its days in peace, however long that may be, if they even have days there, and they're not going to be disturbing anything else either. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there, Taz. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, passionate view on <laughs> views on all those uh, um, topics. And uh, I look forward to welcoming you back next time. Thank you very much, John. Pleasure Thanks. as always. Thanks again. That was Taz Thornton. And I thank her for so freely giving up her time to share her insights with me in what I'm sure you will agree was a fascinating array of some shamanic practices. In the next episode, Taz shares with us her empowerment work and how it combines with her shamanic practice. Until then, be well. <laughs>